This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself from the book of John, chapter 9. Uh, feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You can find archived Shabbat messages there. And you can also find a blog post by my dad. He puts those out weekly, and you can subscribe to them in the little email subscribe box there on our Facebook, uh, uh, website page. And you can also find links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we put stuff up there weekly, sometimes daily, and you can subscribe to our uh, podcast on your favorite podcast platform provider, such as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever else is out there. And the music that you will be hearing is by my buddy Evan Shaw. Check him out, check him out on uh, his website, evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and zero. Oh, zero. Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. If you want to go to John chapter 9, that's where we're going to be today. <clears throat> Continuing to make our way through the book. I do want to draw your attention to uh, this week's Torah portion, which is Rashid. Genesis 1-1, the Torah cycle, the one-year Torah, Torah reading cycle starts over this week. So if you uh, wanted to ever do that, now's a good time to start. <clears throat> and it's, I think it is great that that was put into place uh, because it, it, you know, it keeps us going through the, the Torah, which is the foundation, the bedrock of everything of Scripture and uh, vitally important. And I think, especially Genesis, uh, uh, those first those first chapters are are some of the most important ones in the book, including I think the most important verse in the Bible is Genesis one one because it is the premise on which everything sits. It's you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. <clears throat> if you don't have that as the foundation, then everything else is uh, built on. Uh, a, a foundation of sand, so to speak. And so you have to have the Bible being authoritative uh, and literal in its interpretation and understanding for everything to be of any value and substance uh, beyond those beginning chapters. So, because if you can't, you know, if, God, if in the beginning God created heaven and the earth and it didn't happen in seven days, uh, like it says it did, well, then why should we believe any of it, you know? And, and if you don't believe there's a God, or you don't believe that the God that created the universe is the God of the Bible, then, again, why waste your time with anything in the Scripture? It's interesting to me that a lot of times philosophers or um, um, uh, uh, what's, what's Jordan Rubin? Not, not, not Jordan Peterson. 
psychologists or people who think psychologists, you know, and they draw a lot of lessons and learn things from, from the scripture, right? But, but they don't take it at its word, which always blows my mind. It's like, if you can, if you can draw the, these, these d- truths from the depths of scripture, because it's so evident in everything you see around you, and it's so clear, why not believe the rest of it, you know? Why not accept, you know, what the Bible says about the universe? Um, and the problem is, you know, we, the, we've been told for so long now the lie of evolution, the lie of, you know, God isn't really real. It's just some whatever greater energy thing. But when you boil down <clears throat> the rationale, it's like some, something started all of this. You know, it didn't, doesn't just have always been. And, and if it always has been from the beginning, well, then creation and matter and energy is your God, you know. Um, anyway, so not to get off on all that tangent. But my point being that the, the beginning chapters of Scripture in Genesis are, are the foundation for which everything stems, which we believe. And so... <clears throat> You know, you either take the Bible for what it says and you accept it because f- from its pages declare everything that we see around us, uh, or you don't. So, anyway, there you go. There's the Torah portion. <laughs> uh, so, all right, so up to John, though. We're going to be there. Uh, we're going to go through John chapter 9, uh, kind of continuing to follow Yeshua as he uh, disrupts the apple cart of first century leadership, Pharisees and Judaism. You know, he goes into the temple and he ruffles everybody's feathers there. Then he leaves the temple and he's, it seems to me that he's probably in or around the synagogues because it's on Sabbath, the Sabbath day when we read this. And he's disrupting basically the, uh, uh, the teachings and the authority structure that gave the Pharisees and the which they controlled the, the the synagogues gave them their their base of power from which to teach and instruct the people and then he comes along <clears throat> he's working these miracles but he's also doing it on Shabbat which according to them is not lawful and so he's saying well what they're saying well wait a minute this guy can't be the Messiah because he's breaking Shabbat and we don't like that you know, people are following and believing in him. And so we have a whole window into that story, what's going on here. So, and there's some cool little bits that we're going to pull out of there. Uh, we're going to look at a little more closely. But first we'll pray and then we'll, we'll um, read and go through this. So Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this Shabbat. I thank you for this beginning of the Torah portions. I thank you for all the uh, holidays that we just had with uh, Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. And I just thank you um, for uh, providing all those things and that you have sustained us another year and continue to sustain us and provide for us and that uh, you would just uh, teach us more of your word and insight and more of you that we may walk in your ways and uh, be a light in in this world as you talk about. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Okay, so John chapter 9. Let's see here. So... Yeah, we'll just read and go through it. I was going to read the whole thing, but we'll just read and go through it. So, verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 1. And as Yeshua passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. So, he's leaving the temple, remember, in in chapter 8. 
and uh, he's talking about them not being children of Abraham, and before Abraham I was, and they want to stone him. And so he just leaves, leaves the temple, and he heads out. <clears throat> so he's, he's leaving the temple here. And as Yeshua passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Yeshua answered, Neither have this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And uh, we'll pause, so we'll pause there for a bit. And so, so he's walking out of the temple and he sees this blind man. And he's blind from birth. Uh, and that's a very important point to note there because as we get into it, that'll become evident. And so, but it's, so it's, what's interesting to me is like his, his disciples bring it to his attention. And because there was this idea being that if you were blind or something like this happened, it was because either you sinned or your parents sinned, so the kid was blind. And, uh, but it's interesting because he was blind from his birth. So, you know, there gets these whole uh, philosophical, philosophical arguments as to, like, you know, did God curse the man with blindness before he was born because he knew he was going to be a bad guy? Or did his parents sin and so they cursed the parents and, and made the kid blind? And Yeshua says, no, you know, he was born blind so that, you know, the works of God could be made manifest. And, um, but what's interesting is there are consequences for sin that do get passed on to the children of those who sin just by natural ramifications. And so, because there are consequences for disobedience that do get passed on. If you uh, live a terribly unhealthy life and then you give birth to it, you know, or you're hooked on drugs and then you give birth to a baby that's hooked on drugs, it's like, well, that's not that baby's fault, but it is a natural consequence of your choices that you did in your life. And so, but you should, in this case, you should say, no, you know, you, the, the it doesn't have, doesn't have to do with that. So kind of like you read the book of Job, it's not so easy to, we can't so easily blanket statement and rationalize things that we see and try to stuff God into the context of the understanding of those situations, if that makes sense. You know, meaning like when you read Job, it's like, well, God operates like this, says one guy. And the other guy says, well, no, God operates like this. And then Job says, well, no, God operates like this. And this is how I've done. And then God finally comes in the end and says, well, you're all wrong. This is how I actually operate. It's beyond your ability to really understand and comprehend. So really all we have to go on is what his word tell us, tells us. And so we have to operate according to those confines. And so there was a debate in these situations, you know, who sinned, uh, you know, as to whether or not <clears throat> this guy had, um, was born blind because of somebody's sin. And Yeshua says, no, it doesn't have anything to do with it. So you can't always contextualize and wrap it in a, a cute little box to understand and rationalize things. Sometimes things just go wrong, and then God works through them anyway. And so that's the situation here. And then, uh, so he says, I must work the works of him that sent me, verse 4, while it is day, night cometh when no man can work. Uh, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So 
I found that interesting that he, he makes that statement. And, and I, I don't know exactly what that means. I'm sure there's a myriad of, of, of opinions. But what kind of comes into my head is, is you know, he's there and because he, he says, I'm the light of the world. Well, uh, well, as long as I'm in the world, and so it's it's daytime. But he's gonna leave, and it's and and then to me, it's like the world kind of plunges into darkness because you have the fall of the temple, the scattering of the people from Jerusalem, and you have basically darkness until maybe now you can. I don't know. I feel like now it's maybe there's a light starting to shine a little bit as as he's awakening his people and and his word is starting to spread forth and people are returning to his word and repenting from um, uh, are departing from his ways maybe a little bit that's what it seems like so um, as long as I am in the world I am the light of the world and and I find it interesting too one of the only other passages where it talks about people being the light of the world it says in Matthew 5 14 he says you are the light of the world if you well let's just go there Matthew 5, 14. Um, 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that it, and it give light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the light that you produce is is generated, if so to speak, by your good works. Which how what are those good works determined and. Uh, what do they emanate from? By the Word of God. So when you live out the Word of God, when you walk out His ways, you represent Him and you spread forth light because His Word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And so it's, it's light, that, that His Word is light. And so obviously Yeshua, being the Word of God, walking around, He's the light of the world there. And, uh, and so He's working, but then, you know, when He leaves, night's going to come and... and when no man can work, which I find interesting. It's because it's, you know, you, you have, he's on the scene, he's doing all these miracles, the apostles are doing all these miracles and great things, and then he, he leaves, the apostles die, and, you know, night, night kind of seemingly descends. So, I don't know, it's interesting. Um, so then, I find it interesting, too. He's going he's gonna to heal the guy of blindness, but the guy doesn't even... I, you know, I wonder, did the blind man, like, was he hearing all this? Was he just, you know, sitting there hanging out? Like, I, I don't know, you know, that he doesn't, oftentimes you'll, you know, read passages where Yeshua heals people and they're like crying out to him, they're trying to get to him, they're talking to him. You know, this guy's just sitting there minding his own business for all intents and purposes. So when he had thus spoken, verse 6, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seen. So he spits on the ground, he makes mud, uh, he anoints the guy's eyes with, with the mud, and goes and tells him to wash it off in the pool of Siloam, and boom, he can see, you know, which is pretty miraculous, you know, it's a pretty amazing thing. Um, so, uh, 
What's interesting about that, well, well, we'll get into it a little bit as we, we'll, we'll keep going here. So, uh, eight. The neighbors, therefore, and they which beforehand had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. But he said, I am he. <laughs> so there, there's some chaos and confusion as to, is this the same guy? Yeah, it was him. No, it's not. It's like him. And he's saying, no, it was me. Therefore, they said unto him, how are thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, a man that's called Yeshua made clay, anointed my eyes and said unto me, go wash in the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. And they said unto him, where is he? And he said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that uh, aforetime was blind. So, you know, why did they bother to bring him to the Pharisees is, is the point <clears throat> that we're kind of getting to here. Because, ah, sweet, you can see. Everybody just goes about their life. But no, they bring him to the Pharisees. The reason being is, we're told in Isaiah, the only person, and, and even the Pharisees and the rabbis, quote-unquote, themselves, say, well, you know, when the Messiah comes, he's going to do a few specific miracles which will prove he's the Messiah. And one of those things is to make someone who was blind from birth be able to see. So this is a really big deal. It's not just some trivial uh, not that any of his miracles were trivial, but it's, it's a big deal establishing and proving his messiahship. And so uh, the reason they bring him to the Pharisees is they're saying, look, this guy was blind from birth, and this Yeshua dude healed him, and now he can see. You know, This is a big deal. What does this mean? So they bring him to the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are, wait, 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 wait a minute. And um, 14. Okay, now we get another contextual little thing. And I always kind of, I kind of like how this isn't the only time Yeshua has done something like this on the Sabbath. You know, they're walking through the ears of corn. They pick the ears of corn on the Sabbath. He heals a lame man on the Sabbath and tells him to pick up his bed. Uh, Yeshua, uh, even the very fact that he spit on the ground and like mixed up and made clay, according to oral law, <coughs> that are, and now what is called the Talmud or the Mishnah, that was not allowed. You're not allowed to uh, make anything or create. So you're not allowed to like draw a picture. You're not allowed to form something out of clay. There's all these stipulations. Where they get that from is they define work based on in the Tanakh when they were making the tabernacle and on the Sabbath they ceased from making and building the tabernacle, they derive all these little things based on what they probably would have been doing in the tabernacle. So since in the, you know, making the tabernacle, they were smelting metals and they were sewing, all these things are forbidden, uh, which is not what the Bible says. That's, that's their interpretation that they've drawn out, but it's not what the scripture talks about. And so Yeshua comes on the scene and he's saying, Basically, throwing in their face that, no, you're wrong on your uh, interpretation. Oh, and by the way, I'm healing a blind man, which proves I'm the Messiah. You know, so they don't like that at all. Uh, so that's why they bring him to the Pharisees. And he does this on the Sabbath. And um, 15, then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man's not of God because he kept not the Sabbath day. Meaning he, he one, he healed a man. You're not supposed to do that either. And, I, and he made clay. Um, others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? So there was division among them. So there's other people saying, well, you know, he's, he's 
given sight to the blind, this is a pretty big deal. It talks, we know from Isaiah, and specifically, you know, what Psalm 146, Isaiah 35, 42, you know, the Messiah is going to come, God himself, he's going to heal the eyes of the blind. So there's this division. 17, so all right, drag this guy back in here again. And they said unto the blind man, what sayest thou of him? He, that he hath opened thine eyes. And he said, he's a prophet. Uh, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he uh, had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How doth he now see? And his parents answered and said, answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He's of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. So they're saying, We don't know. Ask him. He was born blind from birth. 22. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Messiah, he should be put out of the synagogue. So you have the beginnings of, uh, of, of what even leads up to today, um, that if you believe and confess that Yeshua is the Messiah, they're going to start excommunicating you. They're going to put you out of the synagogues. There's this division. So now you have these group of believers that follow and believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. Some are probably keeping that to themselves, uh, and they're in the in the in the synagogues, and they're there, but they believe, but they're kind of keeping it secret because they don't want to get kicked out because the leadership doesn't like Yeshua. And you have those who do confess; they're kicked out now, and it's a pretty big deal. The 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 synagogue, you know, you got to put yourself back in the, the time of the first century where you can't get in your car and drive an extra hour and get to another community. You know, you're walking distance. If you want to go faster than walking, you can make your donkey trot. You know, there's not much, many other options that you have. And so to be excommunicated, you get disassociated from. So it's going to impact your life on a major level. And so uh, this was a big deal, and that's why the parents were, you know, they were they they weren't telling anything, they weren't telling any lies, or but they weren't exactly uh, putting themselves out on a limb either. They're like, well, he's an adult; let him speak for himself, though. So they kind of hang him out to dry <laughs> a little bit, and uh, because they were going to get put out of the synagogues, and later on, Yeshua said, "You're going to get put out of the synagogues." And so even now, within, that's why I think within the quote-unquote messianic movement, we need to not, I'm not saying that we are pitting ourselves against the synagogues or pitting ourselves against Judaism. It's, it's our desire that the, the Jews and Judaism and uh, that they will understand and see the Messiah and come to accept him as the Messiah and see the truth in the scriptures. But the, uh, the truth is, there's friction between, and there's at odds, because one group, you know, the Messianics, the believers in Yeshua are saying, he's the Messiah, and the other group saying, no, he's not, and that's a pretty big rift. It's a pretty big difference. It's, it's you know, if you think you're going to cozy up with each other and have kumbaya, it's going to be superficial. It's not going to be real. One of you is uh, compromising their beliefs to some degree, if that's going to happen, and so, you know, unless you're going to a, uh, 
reform, super reform synagogue and they don't believe that the scriptures are from God anyway. So it's like, what in the world do you have in common with them? You know, it drives me crazy. So I know where I'm going with all that. They'll kick you out of the synagogues, meaning if, if they really believe what they believe and you really believe what you believe, you're going to be at odds with each other. So, so we don't look to the synagogues. We look to Yeshua and we look to the scriptures for truth and for guidance and for, um, f- for, for, for instruction in all things. Because you shouldn't go to them and say, well, how do you guys interpret this and figure this out? He, he, he charted his own path. And he said, no, I say, or the scriptures say. And they, and they constantly say, well, we're, we're going to read. We're, we're, we follow Moses. And, and he's constantly saying, no, if you followed Moses, if you followed Abraham, you would believe in me. And so there's a differentiating line. And so when we say to, you know, uh, Jews of today, Orthodox Jews or whatever, you know, we follow Messiah, you know, we're saying to them in this essence, no, you don't believe in Moses and no, you don't follow Abraham. Because the truth is, if you get into what they believe, it's, it's, it's all their own teachings. It's the oral Torah. They, they'll even say, you'll, if you listen enough, they'll say, you really can't understand scripture without the teachings of the rabbis. And so they, they'll read a little bit of scripture and, they'll, and then they'll go and see what the rabbis say. And it was the same thing going on today. So when Yeshua said, well, you guys are basically all wrong and don't have the authority, you know, they were not pleased with that. So... Uh, <clears throat> Okay, so they're going to put you out of the synagogues. And they put them out of the synagogues. So where are we here? Mm-hmm. 24. Ask him. Okay, so 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. <laughs> so they try to set the tone of the conversation uh, and bait him. And he said, and, uh, answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or not, I know not. Or no, I know not. One thing I know, where I was blind, now I see. They said to him again, What did he to thee? How he opened thine eyes? And he answered and said, I've told you already, and you didn't hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Oh, now he starts to kind of, you know, turn it back on them. So they're like, Whoa. <laughs> Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. Remember, I was talking about, see, they, they try to attach themselves to Moses. Yeshua knocks that argument down time and time again. And we know that God spoke unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. And the man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing. You know, and I'll explain now, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doth his will, he heareth him. Since the world began, he was not, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that were born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. So he, he basically says, all right, we're going to have a Bible study here. I'm going to educate you guys. Because he says, uh, we're, uh, <laughs> in 30... Why? Here is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is. The reason he's saying that is because they know from whence he is because the Bible tells us clearly that anyone who, that the Messiah is going to come and open the eyes of the blind. And there's been nobody that's healed someone that's been blind from birth. So you can, all of a sudden you have this guy coming on the scene, heal somebody blind from birth, 
claiming to be the Messiah, doing all these miracles, it's, it's evidently clear. So that's why he's kind of mocking them and saying, ah, this is pretty interesting that you guys can't figure out, quote unquote, who he is, i.e. he's saying, you guys know exactly who he is, you just don't want to believe. And so he gives them a little education. Um, so they're, they're not happy. <laughs> 34. And they answered and said unto him, Thou was altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. So they're just like, wait, you're not going to teach us. Sit here and talk down to us. Get out of here. And they said they were born in sin. Remember how the disciples said, who sinned that this man was born this way? Because they taught and they believed that it was either the parents that sinned or this guy. See, mysticism was already starting to creep in uh, to a huge degree, actually. See, when they went to Babylon, they picked up a lot of it. what people don't understand. And what I didn't understand is that when you read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the first century, that they were uh, the pure stream of keeping the Torah and that they were the gatekeepers and that everything they were doing was biblical. Well, that's just not the case at all. Lots and lots of pagan influence had already started to creep in to a large degree, even such that what they believed is this man in a uh, prior life or God foreseeing what he was going to do or knowing that, you know, maybe in a previous uh, mystical life beforehand had sinned that he's going to be cursed and born blind. So there was all this foreign influence had, that had crept in. And this should be no great surprise to us. Israel throughout their history, you know, it was this seesaw up and down of uh, in idolatry, out of idolatry, in idolatry, out of idolatry, in idolatry, you know, and they're always having to smash the idols. They're always having to cut down the groves. They're always having to repair the temple. So why would it be any different right now? Especially when Yeshua's coming on the scene and he's ripping them new ones eight ways from Sunday, uh, that they're not filled with idolatry and paganism. And why Paul is even saying, you know, little children feed from idolatry. So the, there, was, there was all this unbiblical teaching, unbiblical thought that had crept in. And uh, because of that, it influenced how they ran the society uh, with the synagogues. And that's why Yeshua was telling them, if you're going to follow me and you're going to follow the light of the world, the scripture, and you're going to be light, you're going to be at odds with um, this structure. Because while they profess to follow Moses and be children of Abraham, they don't do the works of Abraham because they follow their, their father, the devil. You know, it's a mixture. It's always a mixture. It's, it's rarely, you know, black and white. And, and, and the, the most insidious thing is they're the ones in power of the leadership of the religious, major religious structure of the day that was supposed to be representing the Word of God in the community. You know, and I don't think it's any different today. Okay. So, have some discernment, basically. Know your Bible, that you can be able to tell what's going on. All right. Uh, they cast him out. Verse 35. Yeshua heard that they cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Yeshua said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. 
So I think that's really cool that Yeshua said, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. You know, he's, he's basically saying, it's me, you know. You, you see me, I healed you, I gave you new eyes, and, uh, and you're speaking with me right now. And he believed, and he worshipped on him. Because you, as you kind of read the, the conversation that he's having with the Pharisees, you can see the kind of, either the explanation of what's going on already in his head, or the shift that goes on in his mind as to, well, initially, you know, he must be, at least be a prophet. But then, as they start to really kick against him, or, or you know, argue with him, he kind of doubles down and says, well, wait a minute, look, we already know exactly who this guy is. If he's doing these great things, why am I having to educate you? And, and, and they don't like that at all. Um, so, and then he believes. 39, Yeshua said, for judgment I am coming to the world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. So, for judgment I am coming to the world. Uh, judgment meaning to, he's setting things right. That's what judgment is. That's what a judge does. They, they, things that have been messed up, things that aren't as they should be, they are, are made right. They are uh, set, set, everything set up so that it can function normally again out of the chaos. So he's come into the world that they would see not might see, and that they which uh, see might be made blind. So there was obviously some Pharisees around. In verse 40, some of the Pharisees which were with him heard also these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Yeshua said to them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. In other words, they don't have any humility. They can't humble themselves. They have too much pride. They won't. Uh, they won't accept the truth that's, that's right in front of them. They, can, they can't see it, although they say they see. See, they really are blind, but they say they can see, but they can't. It's a little bit of a tongue twister, you know, confusing thing. Uh, but the idea is that if they would say, if they would submit, if they would acquiesce, if they would give over their um, control of their life and their belief uh, to God instead of holding it on to it themselves, then their eyes would be open that they could see the truth, but they won't, and so they remain blind. Uh, because if the Word of God is not in you, darkness is in you, because the Word of God is light. Whereas if you, if you trust and you believe, the light comes in, then you can see. That's why you have these concepts of light, the Word of God, um, darkness, we're like the blind man, seen, not seen, the power struggle of the leaders versus this common person, Yeshua being the light of the world. There's so many of these principles woven through these passages and these scriptures to teach us and to show us the truth of who Yeshua is, what he came to do, and then how we're to operate in our own lives, that we need to know the scriptures, we need to be light in the world, we need to be able to speak and teach and it's not hard, it's not confusing, it's not difficult. The scripture's not too hard to understand. We don't need some structured power system of people looking down upon us as poor lackeys, know-nothings, 
you know, you, you can't understand. Let me pontificate to you what it is, and then you can pay me for it. You know, so just be be discerning of the power, you know, power struggle that's real, and um, uh, you know, search things out for yourself. So uh, let's pray, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this word and the truth of it, and I thank you that you uh, have recorded the life of Yeshua, and that uh, we can see the truth of of how he lived, and that he was the Messiah. He came to die, to take the curse of the law, that, that death, that separation that separates your people from you, and that because that was removed from us and put on him, now we can be unified with you again. And I thank you for that, God, because apart from you redeeming us, we would be eternally lost. So I thank you for that. And I just pray that uh, we would now be worthy of that blessing that you bestowed on us and that we would take your word for, forth and the nations teach and speak it and transform our own lives and families and communities to do what's right and that you would return quickly, sit on the throne, that we would be gathered back to your land and all things would be made right through your just judgment. And uh, Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah.